0: Hey, a couple things that I want to do before I get started in the message, and that is we've had, we had an incredible last couple of days um, with the majesty of Christmas. I mean, this place was jam-packed. And um, you know what, boy, God, the gospel was shared, and you know, <clears throat> we spent a lot of time, you know, we thank the orchestra and the choir and Pastor George and Pastor Phil, and we thank uh, all of the people that are in the tech booth and that kind of stuff. But I want to just take this opportunity to thank all of those the ushers and the greeters and all of those that volunteered their time by being performing in the show can we just give them a round of applause i appreciate that so much <clears throat> we're going to need a lot more of that in the future as we learn and i just feel like god is just saying just get ready okay The second thing that I want to do is I always try and promote some of our staff whenever they do something that is pretty amazing. And Pastor David Vogel has put together, in fact, he's written um, a Christmas devotional. And I don't know if we have any left. Does anybody know we had, we were out at the, they were out at the um, guest services are over there where they're selling t-shirts and stuff like that. But you can go on amazon.com, but I would just encourage you, just look that up. um, and, and I guarantee you it's, it's a great Christmas devotion. Um, I'm using it at my house. Okay, so we're in the third week now in this series of Mary's Christmas. And I want you to know that today we lit the third candle, and it's called Mary's candle. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Remember, we've been trying to see Christmas through Mary's eyes, and we're thinking that if we can kind of understand a little bit about how Mary looked at Christmas, it's going to help us in our own understanding of the true meaning of Christmas. And I hope and pray that that this Christmas is maybe one of the best Christmases that you've ever had, because you are just laser focused on the meaning for the season and not getting sidetracked. I want to go back to the story again. We talked about Mary, and then we jumped over to Joseph to see what his side of the story was. And now we're back with Mary. And I want you to remember that time when Gabriel, who said he stands in the presence of the Lord, when he came and he visited Mary the very first time. Remember that? After Gabriel leaves, Mary all of a sudden gets in a hurry. Did you know that? In fact, the reason that she's in a hurry is she's about to take a trip, the Bible tells us. Now, you may think, well, where in the world is she going? The Bible tells us that she's going to visit her relative, whose name is Elizabeth, in the hill country of Judah. Now, I want you to know that this trip was probably about 90 miles, and she's going by herself. That's a long ways to walk, isn't it? And in those days, the roads were not something that was a very... How would i say it was not a safe place and so what they would do is they would kind of travel in caravans and they would they would kind of get a, get together with different people who were kind of heading in the same direction and that's what she's doing now the question that i had right away as i look at this story is i'm thinking okay so what would make a 14 or a 15 year old girl who just found out that she's going to be pregnant what would make her take a 90-mile journey all by herself And the Bible tells us the answer. The Bible tells us that the reason she takes this trip is because something that the angel Gabriel said to her that just kind of pricked her conscience. I want to go back and show you what that is. In Luke 1 verse 36, it says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Aha, now I understand, don't you? The reason that Mary's going to visit her relative Elizabeth is because they have something in common, don't they? Now, can I just say to you, when you're going through a difficult time, doesn't it make you feel good that you're not going through it by yourself? I can remember when I was younger, my dad was the principal of the school. It always made me feel good when I wasn't the only one going to see the principal. You know what? Misery loves company kind of thing. But I think that Mary is going to Elizabeth, not just because they're in the same predicament, but I think because she needs support, and I think that she knows that she can support Elizabeth. You see, what Mary and Elizabeth have in common is this. Both of the pregnancies are the result of a miracle. Now, The Bible tells us that Elizabeth doesn't even know that Mary's coming. And you think about this, this four- or five-day trip, however long it took Mary to get there, when she gets there, can you just imagine? So Mary's standing in the doorway of Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth, remember, has no idea she's coming, and she calls out. I don't know what she does. When my wife ever comes home, she's always, you Okay, she just lets me know she's home. It's always, you Okay, I don't know if Mary did that, all right? But I'm sure Mary maybe said, Elizabeth, I don't know. But then the Bible tells us something miraculous happened. Remember what it was? The baby in Elizabeth leaps for joy. Okay, now, ladies, I have no idea what that means, okay? But I do remember when my wife used to say to me, here, put your hand right here, no, right here. And the baby would kick and I'd go, wow, that's pretty amazing. But the Bible tells us that John the Baptist, he leaps for joy. Now, let me ask you this, how can that be? The baby in the womb responds before Elizabeth does. You know why that happens, don't you? Because the baby in Elizabeth, the Bible tells us, is a prophet. And this prophet makes his first prophecy. And how can he do that? Thank you for asking, because this Scripture verse tells us, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's talking about John the Baptist. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And while, and, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's say this together. Even before he is born. That's how John, this baby, could leap for joy, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. Now, I want you to understand that in the Old Testament, whenever they talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit usually would come upon somebody for a specific task. But then remember in the New Testament, after Jesus was risen from the dead and he ascended into heaven, remember he said, it's good that I leave because I'm sending the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And so whenever we call on the Lord Jesus, when we come to faith, that Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, all right? Now, I want to remind you now, so the Holy Spirit's working through John, so guess what the natural thing is to happen next? Now the Holy Spirit starts working through Elizabeth, and she begins to prophesy. And what does she prophesy? She prophesies to Mary that I know who your baby is. How do we know that? Because she refers to Mary as the mother of my Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of a real difficult time, there's a party going on, and it's all because of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to remember as we go down this path again today. Why was it that God chose Mary? Why did He choose that she was going to be the one that would carry the Son of God? And the answer is this… Because she believed, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're in the middle of the storm. I know some of you are because I've gotten your emails. I don't know where you are in your relationships or your health, or maybe you're mourning and grieving the loss of a loved one. But I just want to tell you this: that in the midst of the storm, you must believe that one word from Jesus will calm everything. Amen? Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. This is God's word for God's people. Let's play together. My Father, I pray today that I would be able to follow Mary's example of what true worship looks like, humble in spirit and truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. How many of you have ever experienced God showing up in your life in a mighty way? Anybody? A few of you? I would hope that you all can say that you've experienced God showing up in your life in a mighty way. Have you ever had that time? You remember maybe uh, you've been praying and you've been crying out to God. Maybe for a while it felt like there was nothing that was happening. Maybe it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceilings, and then all of a sudden God answered your prayer. And not only did He answer your prayer, but He answered the prayer exactly the way you've been praying for Him to answer it. Have you ever experienced that before? What did you do next? I remember it was a couple years ago or whatever, and our son Dan was on a plane flying from San Francisco. Back, he was working for Kansas University, and I got a text from him, and it said that the engine went out on the plane, and there were flames and that kind of stuff, and he just said, please pray. Boy, I guarantee ya, mama and daddy, we got on our knees. In fact, I can remember laying prostrate on the floor, praying that God's angels would just hold that plane in His hands and carry it back safely. You know what I mean? Can you relate? For those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'll never forget when I looked at my phone and there was just one word and it just said, landed. You know what happened next at our house? A party. I guarantee you, our party turned into, though, a worship event. I'm telling you, we were thanking the Lord for His goodness. We were thanking Him who, from all, from, who created all things. We were just so very thankful and we were worshiping God. And that's where we find Mary today. You know, by the world standards, the world would tell Mary, Mary, you should be worried sick. Mary, this is the worst time of your life. You're 14, 15-year-old, and you are pregnant, and the baby that you're carrying doesn't belong to your fiancé. Hello? This should be the worst time of your life. But you know what Mary does? She worships God. And she worships Him with everything she has. Can I just tell you that wherever you are in life, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, it matters where you're looking. Because your feet follow your eyes. If you're looking at the problems, if you're looking at the earth, guess what? That's where your focus is going to be. But when you lift your eyes to the heavenly Father, everything changes, right? Now, I just want to remind you of something. Do you remember why it was that Mary was so so excited? Remember what it was? Because God noticed her. Check this out. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary is so excited because she has, because God has visited her. And I want you to understand is that this is is an original song. She's not singing a song that she had heard. This now is a song that probably rose to number one in the top 40 chart. But what I want you to understand is that Mary is singing from the very depths of of her soul. Have you ever done that? Do you have a song? Has God given you a song? He's given me one. I'm not going to sing it for you. But I have a song that God's given to me. And it's amazing about those times when he brings it to my mind. Mary is singing to her God and she sings with all of her heart. Remember what the Bible says about this? The Bible tells us that when we worship God, it says, be careful about when you worship me with your lips and your heart is far from me. But I wanna tell you something, my dear friends in Christ, Mary's heart and soul is all in this song, and look at what she says. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Did you notice something here? Mary refers to the baby in her womb as her Savior. Well, that kind of messes with Catholicism a little bit, doesn't it? But that's what she does. She refers to that she is one who needs a Savior. This is the one who will be the Savior of the world, and that's exactly what God said to her through Gabriel. You are to name him Jesus, and he will save my people from their sins. Let's go on. For he has been mindful of a humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. You see, one of the things that attracted God to Mary was the fact that she was a humble servant. Boy, you talk about a Cinderella story, this is it, right? And America loves a Cinderella story, don't we? How many of you during March Madness, boy, you get out your brackets and you're looking, who's the team this year that's going to rise to the top and just all of a sudden just be successful and win these games? We're always looking, who's that Cinderella story? And that's what Mary is. She's a little girl, nobody knows her. She's from a down town that nobody's even heard of. It's not even on the map, but God noticed her. I wonder why that is maybe it's because of the way Mary's being treated is going to be similar to how his son is going to be treated. Take a look at this. This describes Jesus in Isaiah. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was so despised, and we held him in low esteem. That's the description of Jesus. So what would it look like if Jesus showed up today in, his physical bo- in a physical body? You know what? He wouldn't be one that has a a crown or he wouldn't have a glow about him because he's a son of God. You wouldn't be attracted to him because of the way he looks. He would just look like everyone else. And so what I just want to say to you is that, you know what? The Lord takes notice of how we treat one another. Do you treat somebody better simply because of the way they're dressed? What about somebody that doesn't look like you? What about somebody that doesn't dress like you? What about somebody that comes in that, oh, that's not my kind of people? How do you treat them? That's why our greeters, that's why our, our, our ushers are so important. Everybody, because it's important the way we treat one another. Because remember what God says? This is how I know you are my disciples, by how you have love for one another. And you know what? God saw something in Mary, her humility, and He knew He could trust her. And because of that, she would be blessed from generation to generation. Now watch what happens here. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. How do you know God? You know how you come to know god you come to know god by how you experience him and mary is telling us right now in her song i've experienced god in three ways number one he is a mighty god number two he is a holy god and number three he is a merciful god this is what she's experiencing right now take a look at this how will this be mary asked the angel since i am a virgin The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is Mary referring to God as her mighty God. And you know why he's mighty? Because he's the God of impossibilities. Boy, that ought to lighten the way you sit in your seat right now. Because maybe you're like the disciples and you're in the middle of a storm in the boat and you know what, you think you're gonna die. But then you recognize that there's somebody in the boat with you. His name happens to be Jesus. And you know with one word, he can change everything. That's the mighty God that we serve. I want you to remember something. You know what? This mighty God that we serve, he still heals the sick. He still creates babies in dry wombs. He still reigns on high. He has power over sin, death, and the power of the devil, and nothing can hold us down, even death. And the Bible tells us he will reign forever and ever. That's the mighty God that we serve. And that ought to change the way we live our lives. We don't look at the world like everybody else does because we are looking up and we know our God is a mighty God because with God, nothing is impossible. You know what that means? That means if you find yourself in an impossible situation, boy, you are primed for a miracle. But what did Mary do? She believed. Can you believe God even when it doesn't make sense? So let me ask you something. How do you call out to the Lord? How do you call on God? How do you use his name? Do you use his name in vain? Do you use the GD phrase? Or when you get surprised or scared, do you say, oh my, and then you mention his name? Is that how you call on the Lord? Is that how you refer to him? You know, the Bible tells us that the Israelites, they were so in awe of God that they wouldn't even speak his name. They had such reverence for him that they wouldn't speak his name because he is a holy God. I remember one time in which I went to a prayer meeting and they said, You know, we're all made of angel dust. It's interesting that even in an AA group, part of the 12 steps is you have to recognize a higher power, right? Let me just tell you something. Are you very close to a higher power? Or are you close to somebody that you call daddy? You know what I mean? if we're saying that God is just this God out there, he's just this mass, this power out there, you know what? He, if he, as long as he stays out there, you know what? I don't have any personal relationship because I know a God who's way out there is not gonna hold me accountable. But you know what? When I call him Daddy, and when I pray to him and I speak his name and I revere his name as holy, you know what? Now I realize this is the God who holds me accountable for my actions but I don't want it to end there. He holds me accountable for my actions through Jesus Christ. How do you call on the holy name of God? Do you fear him? And what I mean by that is I'm not asking you, are you afraid of him? I mean, do do you fear him? Are you in awe of him? Do you have your God out of the box so that you recognize even every breath that you take is only by His grace? Do you realize that whenever He come, when you come into His presence, that you want to get on your knees and you want to get on your face because you know who He is and you know who you are? Do you fear God? And you know why I ask that question? Because the Bible tells us those who fear God will receive, what was Mary's third characteristic? Mercy. Mercy is asking for what you don't deserve. Take a look at this Scripture verse. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Our God is a holy God, and He is a merciful God. And you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that His mercy will go from generation to generation for those who call on His name. You know what that means? That means that his mercy starts with Adam and Eve. And from Adam and Eve, it went to to Abraham and Sarah. And from Abraham and Sarah, you know what? It went to Elijah. And from Elijah, it went to Job. And from Job, it went to Isaiah. And from Isaiah, it went to Mary and Joseph. From Mary and Joseph, it went to the Apostle Paul. From the Apostle Paul, it went to Augustine. From Augustine, it went to Martin Luther. From Martin Luther, it went to George Washington. From George Washington, it went to Mother Teresa. From Mother Teresa, it went to Billy Graham. From Billy Graham, it comes to us. And you know what? It will continue on from generation to generation. That's the mighty, holy, awesome, merciful God that we serve. And don't, aren't you glad that you serve a merciful God? Because what that means is this, you get what you don't deserve. How many times have you heard somebody say, I'm throwing myself on the mercy of the court? My kids used to try and do that all the time. Dad, I'm throwing myself on the mercy of the court. But that's what mercy is all about. It's about getting what we don't deserve. We're almost done. Look at verse 11, verse 53, excuse me, one verse 51, I looked at the clock, sorry. He performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Now what Mary does is Mary starts looking back in her life and she starts thinking about God's track record in her life you ever do that? When you go through difficult times, do you ever think back of all those times that God showed up in your life? And as much as Satan wants you to believe, oh, that was just one time, you were only lucky. But if you see over and over and over again how God continued to show up in your life, and that's what Mary's doing. And here's what she says about him. She says, for he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. What does that mean? Well, the arm means his strength and his power, that's what it refers to. It's kind of funny, whenever I go to the gym, guys are always working on their arms. They're always trying to build their biceps, always trying to build their their triceps. You know why? Because we believe that big arms equal big and strong, right? There's even a guy in our gym, when you ask him where's the bathroom is, he goes like this and then he goes over there. I'm just kidding, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. I only saw Pastor Phil do that one time. No, I'm just kidding. But here's what God is doing. Mary is describing the powerful arm of God. Now, I want you to think about something. I want to go to the, to the Old Testament for a second. I want you to look listen to this. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? We're talking about the same arm there. And the arm of God is his power and his strength. And the very first thing that the Lord answered Moses is the Lord's arm too short. This is God speaking. Is my arm too short? In other words, do I have skinny arms? Does it look to you like I got no biceps, any triceps? And he says, now you will see whether or not what I say will come true. All right, here's the story. The Israelites are complaining. Imagine that. And they're complaining because they're sick and tired of manna. They've had manna up to their ears. And they want something different. In fact, they want meat. And so what happens is Moses goes to the Lord, and he goes, these aren't your people, or these aren't my people, they're your people. I didn't burn them. And then you know what God does? God causes a wind to blow, and the Bible tells us that there are so many quail that come in that you could walk a day's journey in any direction, and the ground was completely filled with meat. And now God says to Moses, is my arm too short? In other words, Are you thinking that there isn't anything that I can't do? Is that speaking to anybody this morning in your life? Are you at that point in your life where you're wondering, is God ever going to show up? Are you wondering if God even hears you? And now you're beginning to listen to your own words and you're doubting Him. And the Lord's message for you today is this My dear child. Is anything too hard for God? Let's go on. We're almost done. It says, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble, hum, humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. You know what? God does not do well with conceited people. God has a problem with people who are proud, and he's really good at putting people in their place. Have you ever experienced that? I have. It's not fun. But what I want you to remember is this is what God is talking about in our world today. It's the attitude that says this, I am where I am because of my hard work. I have everything that I have because of what I have been able to produce. You can see the blisters on my hands. You can understand how I think, the sweat of my brow. I have everything that I have because I have worked hard for it. And I deserve it. That's the person that God has a real problem with. How many of you remember a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar? (laughs) He was king of one of the biggest and strongest nations in the world. Look at what happened to him. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Man, run for all your life. Be careful for people who want to take God's glory because you know what the result of this was? Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. He had to roam on the earth on his hands and his feet His hair grew long, his nails grew out, and you know what? He ate the grass of the land. All I want to say to you is that be careful what you say to the Lord. Remember, everything you have, even the breath that you breathe, is a gift from Him, and acknowledge it before Him, and He will keep you safe. Now, watch what happens. Out of Nebuchadnezzar's own mouth, here's what he says at the end of his time. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Okay? If you're feeling like you're losing it, keep looking up, just like what Nebuchadnezzar did. Then I praised the Most High. He went from being proud and conceited to now he's praising him. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Nebuchadnezzar learns his lesson, and he learns Everything I have is because of the Lord Almighty. Now here's what I want to close with you today. I want you just to think about the world that we live in right now. I want you to think about all of the governments in history that have been risen up and then have gone and and you don't hear from anymore. Think about all of the royalty, the governments, the, the power that has been raised up and all of a sudden they're no more. Think about the Hitlers and the Mussolini's and how they were gonna rule the earth. Where are they? They're gone. Think about our world today. Men and women who say, we have the power to destroy this world a 100 times. Oh, but we can destroy it 500 times. The Bible, or excuse me, the world is telling us that nuclear weapons are on the rise, right? Satan wants us to think you should be very afraid. But listen to what the Lord says about this. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. He laughs. I don't know about you, but boy, does that give me great hope. I'm not worried about who's in control on this earth because I know who's really in control over the earth. And you know what? I believe it, and because I believe it, I live it. I'm not scared who's in power in Russia. I'm not scared who's in power in Saudi Arabia. I'm not scared of who's in power in the United States because I know that my God sits on the throne of all things and everything is under control of him. And he even says he can take the man who's wicked and he can control his mind just like he does the direction of the rivers. Here we have Mary and she's in a mess. But what does she do? She chooses to look up and because she looks up, she has a different perspective, a different perspective on anything, everything. And here's what I wanna close with. So why is that? Is because of her response that she gave to the angel Gabriel. So wherever you are right now, my prayers for this church, for you, for me, that you respond like Mary did and so be blessed and used mightily. And how did she respond? Very simply this way. May the Lord, may it happen to me, may it be unto me, just as you have said. That's faith. That's trust. And that's what gets the attention of our God. Amen? I think he deserves Our attention right now. Would you please stand? And Pastor Phil is going to lead us in a closing song. And I want you to worship, not just with your lips, but I want you to pour your heart out to him. Pastor Phil? Angels, we have her on high, sweetly. benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.